Support for NPR and the following message come from Bombas. Bombas makes absurdly soft socks, underwear, and t-shirts. And for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash NPR and use code NPR. Hey there, Brittany Luce here. I'm the host of It's Been a Minute, a show that takes the things that everyone's talking about and gives you new ways to think about them beyond the obvious takes. Our thoughts go everywhere, from himbos to housewives, to weightier topics like children's rights and Supreme Court decisions. It's about everything with everything, all in one podcast. I love this show because I cut my teeth covering Black culture. And what I learned doing that is that it's impossible to talk about pop culture, even the fluffiest, silliest parts, without getting into history, without getting into the news and the political events of the current moment, without getting into propaganda and political messaging. It's impossible to talk about anything related to culture without examining the systems and structures that created it or investigating what our culture says about us. It's why I do what I do. Looking hard at culture means looking for what it has to tell us about ourselves. A quick warning, this episode contains sexually explicit content and may not be suitable for all listeners. Hey, hey, you're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Brittany Luce. I don't really prank people, and I'm also never pranked. But regardless, I do love watching pranks. And there's one guy who has been perfecting the prank for years. He makes me laugh and cringe, and his pranks make the viewers and the victims question reality. I'm talking about the prank prince himself, Eric Andre. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Eric Andre Show! This month, he's dropping the sixth season of The Eric Andre Show. It's a late-night show on Adult Swim that blends together hidden camera pranks and celebrity interviews that are also kind of pranks. Ah, ladies and gentlemen, you know I'm from the Jersey Shore, Polly D! Where most of the time, it seems like the celebrity's publicist did not tell them what show they were going on. Your mom is Paula Dean. Who said that? That's what it says in my notes. They must have mentioned the book. Oh, I don't know. Who told you that? I mean, I think it's a typo. I don't know, dude. Paula Dean, Paula D. Paula D, Paula D. Fantastic. Huh? I'm not sure I'd want to run into Eric Andre in the middle of his antics, but he is a delight nonetheless. Today on the show, we get into his philosophy on jokes and a game of Would You Rather. Eric Andre, welcome to It's Been a Minute. Thank you. Thank you so much. So on the topic of Sexy Season 6, I want to know, what's the prank yes. you're most proud of this season? Did you see the one where the giant bug came out, the lady I came in as an exterminator? Yes! Yes! <laughs> You say giant bug. It was like a person in a bug suit. It was a man. It was a, it was a, it was a small man. <laughs> it, was a tiny, it was a tiny man. But that woman thought it was a gigantic bug. Ooh. I'm leaving. What happened? Did you want some? I mean, because you were playing an exterminator that was coming into her office. And like, I mean, yes. you pulled out like a little jar of... 
cockroaches? Bugs. I said we found these in the in the bathroom. <laughs> this place has a huge bug problem. She's in this office. She has no idea what's going on. And then uh, a giant bug man burst out of the wall. <laughs> she, yeah, she peed herself. Hey, you want a bug flavored grass? No, what? All my favorite bugs in one soda. Hakuna Matata, am I right, sister? You have had a range of really great celebrity guests and a range of reactions from them <laughs> to the things that happened yeah. on the show. How, how do you select your guests? Yeah. And, and how do you think about pairing pranks with specific people? We have this giant wall with like two, 300 pranks on it. And as these celebrities are being booked, we assign each prank to each celebrity. We try to bring celebs into the studio that have no idea who I am, no idea what the show is, no idea what Adult Swim is. The less they know, the better, the more fish out of water hmm. they are. I wonder though, like, okay, so like this season you have Jaleel White who played Steve Urkel as a yes. guest with yes. a gag yes. where every item on set could expel bodily fluids. You know what? You can jerk off anything on the set to completion. What? Like, look. This is a better one. Oh, God! Yeah. <laughs> every, every single thing on the set. Look at this one. Why was he the guest for that? He, uh, you know what? I don't know. I wouldn't say like he was the perfect guest to watch me jerk off lamps. (laughs) (laughs) But like I had a feeling that he was going to have an interesting reaction to that action. And he did. He absolutely did. Oh, man. You're good. This is a different kind of show, man. You said it just now. I've seen you say in other interviews that you bring people in. You try to bring them in without any knowledge of, like, who you are, what the show is, that they're completely surprised. Yes. How do you accomplish that? How do you even reach out and get bookings without them knowing what show they're coming on? Well, some people we catch while they're on, like, a press tour Mm -hmm. already, and you, you don't lie. You just bend, bend, bend as much of the truth as you can. You say, we're doing a show for Turner Networks, and it's this popular talk show. It has millions of viewers. We love you. We'd love to have you on. And while you're doing your press tour, come on by. And you'd be surprised at how many people... Say yes to that. I didn't you lie. You didn't lie. I mean, you perhaps omitted a couple of things, but you didn't lie. I omitted some information, but I, you know, hey, it works. You could you could prank me very easily right now. Oh, that's a really good point. You did say yes. I'm a I'm a sitting I'm a sitting duck. It's a missed opportunity if you don't prank me by the end of this interview. There's something almost like self-flagellating about your comedy that I'm interested in, like, it, 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 like you will like sometimes manipulate your body and your appearance ahead of filming. You know, there's season, yeah. you know, where you lost weight season, you gained weight, self tanned, shaved all your body hair off. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've read that for another season, you stopped showering for a year, which I might add is something that a viewer wouldn't know. Yes. But the guest sure did. <laughs> I don't even I I I don't even 
really know how I would react, actually, if I came into, like, a studio. When Amber Rose came on season four, I think I'd give her a big hug, and she goes, you need to get washed, bro. What's your phone number? Um. <clears throat> you got a boyfriend? No. Well, you single and you ready to mingle? <laughs> you got to get washed, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, you need to get washed, bro. It's the best. <laughs> I mean, I, the, the there's such a big, there's such a big gap between, like, the setup of not showering for a very long time and the mm-hmm. payoff of someone like Ambrose saying that to you. I yeah. wonder, like, what's behind the impulse to almost torture your body into something different? My acting teacher said, you are climbing a mountain. You have to be exceptional or people aren't going to watch. You're in competition with everyone on TV, athletes, not just other comedians and actors, but musicians and athletes and politicians and other psychopaths. So she's like, you have to be excellent. It has to be extreme and obsessive. So I just wanted to re- that, that season I grew my fingernails out all long and jagged. This season I got ripped. So I was like working out 90 minutes in the morning. I had a little janky gym set up on the side of the stage. I was constantly oh working gosh. out, no carbs. I lost like 40 oh pounds gosh. and I was like working with three different trainers. I was drinking pre-workout all the time too. I was so caffeinated. I wasn't That's sleeping. what's in pre-workout is caffeine? Yeah. It's crazy. That stuff, that stuff should be illegal. <laughs> it's like crystal meth. It's insane. I want to talk more about your approach. You've been doing this for over a decade. What is your philosophy of pranking? And how or do you feel like it's been refined over the years? Yeah, I think that it should never feel mean-spirited. In general, when I pranked Alex Jones, all bets are <laughs> off. You know what I mean? Or if Sasha Baron Cohen pranks Mike Pence, all bets are off. But that's not punching down, obviously. That's like sticking it to the man. So it's developed a lot since Kitao, Sakurai, and I started in like a abandoned bodega in Bushwick with like one camera and one microphone. And it took a Jeff Tremaine mentoring us. He's like, the comedy's coming from you and the fact that you're like generating a comedic mm-hmm. situation and you're saying bizarre stuff. But he's like, the people you're pranking are the stars of the show and they're going to get the biggest laugh. So really, like, give space for them to have a rebuttal and talk. And I used to just, like, burst into a scene and just say, blah, 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 and say a bunch of word salad and then, like, rush out and, like, leave on them just jaw-dropped. But he's like, them jaw-dropped is just the beginning of their potential. He's like, you should really kind of lean into and then see what they have to say. I think letting the people we prank talk a little bit more and getting a little more out of them, I used to just think all you had to do was, like, burst out of a box or some object and have them scream. But uh, you want to settle into their point of view as much as you want to settle into my point of view. It just makes it more rich. It makes it more interesting. It makes them feel more comedic and heroic because they're dealing with a lunatic. Why did you go in there? Rest of us have kids. I want to take a picture. You want to take a picture of the gorilla face yeah, to face. Girl. Would she go in there for you? No. Exactly. So why are yeah. you going on there for her? I'm trying to get her to be my girlfriend. She's not your girlfriend? No. So we let the pranks play out a little bit longer. Hmm. Comedy's changed a lot since the Eric Andre show started. And it feels like 
comedy in general is kind of catching up to where you've been for a while. And obviously, Jeff Tremaine, your show is influenced by things like Jackass. But there's definitely like a benevolent streak to your work. Do you feel like you're seeing your sons out in the world now? Because I feel like the, the vein of comedy that dominates both the sketches in studio and out in the world, I feel like I see so many things, like even on TikTok or other comedy yeah. shows now that like take that same approach. Like, Why do you think people are attaching to this vein of comedy right now? I don't know. I don't know. It's high stakes. I also, it also feels like America's like falling apart <laughs> a lot of times. So I think like the chaos of this kind of comedy speaks to the feeling of late stage capitalism. What you just said about like how it kind of feels like America's falling apart. We've been having a conversation on our team about like cringe, about how like cringe comedy is becoming, it just feels really dominant right now. And one of the tenets of cringe that one of our producers, Corey Antonio, came up with was that it requires like social violation. I feel like a lot of what your work does is violate social norms. And I feel like that, like the loss of norms is politically in the public sphere in America is like obviously a signal at some other type of rot. That feels connected. There's just no norms anymore. Yeah. And I think that stuff is like playing in the background, but it's whenever looking at pranks too academically, I'd like to say that the writer's room is like the smartest friends I have trying to come up with the dumbest third grade jokes they possibly get squeezed out of their brain. So it's really, I'm like trying, and I'm doing that because I'm trying to like access their id and their childlike sensibilities because uh, it's interesting to see what's in like the part of the brain they forget to access sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, I think all that stuff is happening in the background and the foreground. And a lot of your pranks, you're playing with like authority and uniform. Yeah. You it's high stakes. <laughs> high stakes. I love being a cop in a bit. I was going to say, I mean, you've been... Because you do anything out of the norm. It's, it's very easy to like get out of the norm of a cop. And you have authority in the, in the scene. There's one this season where I'm feeding a, a half-dead cop donuts and milking him. I don't know what, that, what, what I can say on NPR. I'm milking his glands <laughs> to bring him back to life. <laughs> I'm trying to say like the NPR friendly version of jerking off. That sounds way worse saying I'm milking a man's glands. I mean, there's, a, there's another prank in this. You know, I'm not always the cop. I think that was my yeah. point to that story. I'm not always the cop in the, in the prank. Sometimes I'm, I'm jerking off. Sometimes <laughs> it's one or the other, but I mean, it seems like questions of authority and who has it and why come up a lot in your comedy. Are you are you trying to make a commentary about that with your pranks? It, it's in the eye of the beholder. It's in the ear of the behearer. It's on the each audience to have their own reaction and takeaway. Hmm. I, I also wanted to touch on your lawsuit against Clayton County Police in sure. Georgia for racial profiling. Sure. I mean, we, we don't have to go too deep into it, but Let's I, dive. Let's dive. All right. Well, I, I your, wonder. Put on your swim cap. <laughs> I, I I wonder though, like, yeah. So much of your comedy is about you, your performance, your presence, but also playing with these themes around authority and 
you had this big conflict last year where you sued Georgia's Clayton County Police Department for racially profiling you at the airport. And I wonder, like, how are you thinking about themes of authority or even performing as a cop or performing alongside somebody who's performing as a cop? Like, how do you think about those things differently now? I think about them the same way. I was raised by activists. My mom marched on Washington. She saw Martin Luther King Mm -hmm. Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech when she was 18 years old. And my sister's an activist. I think it seemed out of character for people that don't Mm -hmm. know me personally to lob a lawsuit about racial discrimination at a a police force. But I um, grew up like, that's what you do. I feel like I'm the same guy I was before that happened and, and after that happened and I'm the same comedian. Mm, so it's like always been a part of your comedy, whether or not people yeah. thought about it that way. Yeah. Every comedian has a distinct point of view and having a distinct point of view means having a political point of view. Even if they're not a political comic, I don't think there's any such thing as an apolitical comic. There's comics that don't talk a tremendous lot about politics. And when people say politics, they think of like, the current fight between the Democrats like electoral and the Republicans politics. on a federal level. Yeah. But like there's politics expands beyond that. So it's all intertwined. I don't think it's like, I just picked my head up one day and I was like, I'm going to be the next Stokey Carmichael. <laughs> I don't know. If anybody <laughs> <thought that. laughs> and everybody else thought it, man. Do you have time for like a very fast game? Sure. You do? Okay. Russian roulette. (laughs) I play American roulette. A bullet in every chamber, sister. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Is that the game you're talking about? (laughs) It's a little different. It's a little different. Okay. Coming up, Eric, Andre, and I play Would You Rather. This message comes from NPR sponsor FX, presenting Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill, FX's Clipped, now streaming only on Hulu. Support for NPR and the following message come from Bombas. Bombas makes absurdly soft socks, underwear, and t-shirts. And for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com NPR and use code NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from Sattva. Sattva luxury mattresses are every bit as elegant as the most expensive brands. But because they're sold online, they're about half the price. Visit com slash NPR and save an additional $200. I'm Rachel Martin. After hosting Morning Edition for years, I know that the news can wear you down. So we made a new podcast called Wild Card, where a special deck of cards and a whole bunch of fascinating guests help us sort out what makes life meaningful. It's part game show, part existential deep dive, and it is seriously fun. Join me on Wildcard, wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. 
we are going to play a game of Would You Rather Prank Edition, where you get to choose between two people and two distinct places, and you have to pick who you'd rather prank. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. So would you rather play a prank on Elon Musk on a SpaceX spaceship or Kanye West at a Yeezy fashion show? Gosh, can I pick both? Well, Kanye, I would I would pull it off and get the footage back. There's weird laws. We almost pranked Mike Pence. We had access to Air Force Two when we were doing the RNC. What? And our lawyer, he was like, absolutely not. Do not get anyone on that plane, none of your crew. He goes, only federal laws apply up in that right. airspace. And you guys could be in jail for 40 years. So, like, intergalactic law could like, prevent you from effectively. I know, yeah, I don't know intergalactic law. Yeah. And yeah. also, like, what if he could also keep you, like, keep you in space and you just never come back. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Fair yeah. enough. What, 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 do you, what would you do to prank him at an at a, at a easy show? Gosh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's a little bit like he'd be so easy to prank. I mean, ev- with every turn, I would just make up a bunch of fake quotes that he never said. And just be like, yeah, you said all all this stuff. You said poo poo pee pee. Kind of, you said that. He kind of did say poo poo pee pee. He should have. But you, I mean, you could walk in the show. That's good. You could cut up all the clothes, cover them in paint. Oh, you have a bit written for me. Oh my god, I didn't have a bit. I just was like, oh, what would be fun? Okay, you're getting to know. You come on in the writers' room. <laughs> Yeah, I could cut. I could cut up. Yeah, I mean, it'd be, you could really do anything. You could put, um, you know, rat trap glue. You could put rat trap glue all oh on the runway, God. so all the he gets all stuck and caught up in the rat trap glue. You tell him that like the toughest critic, the toughest fashion critic in town, is front row, and she's just folding her arms <laughs> and giving him the thumbs down the whole show and <laughs> holding her nose like he stinks. I have okay. You I, know. I, the next scenario that I have is actually features a, a scenario that sounds juicy but absolutely terrifying for me. Would you rather prank Beyonce and Jay Z in an elevator, or Taylor Swift at the VMAs? Oh, well, the fact that it's at the VMAs, Kanye already kind of pranked her at the VMAs. <laughs> check, check. <laughs> Jay Z and Beyonce—they seem too sweet. To prank. I met them at the Lion King premiere and they were like, they were too like sweet, like Beyonce's hand. It was like the softest handshake I ever shook. Taylor Swift seems like she'd get pissed. She, I think she'd be better to mm, prank. Mm. She pranked ticket, she pranked Ticketmaster, I think. Ticketmaster is pranking me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's a bit of a prankster herself. So go ahead, Taylor Swift. I think she'd have a good. I think she'd have a little fire in her. Okay, last one. Would you rather prank Oprah while she's gardening at her estate in Santa Barbara, mm. or The Rock while he's doing chest day at a private gym in Hollywood? Oprah. I'd have to do Oprah. You wouldn't be afraid to prank Oprah. I just feel like Oprah's so connected. I just feel like federal law. Yeah, I would risk federal law and assassination to prank Oprah. How would you prank Oprah? She's gardening and I, I'm under the dirt and I pop out of the soil like a decomposed <laughs> zombie, like a cadaver. And I was like, this is my tombstone. And my family comes in, they start crying and mourning me. You brought him back to that life. That came to you so quickly. I'm like, have you thought about this yeah. one before? 
Yeah, well, I didn't. I wasn't ready for the first two, so I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta write, I gotta write these on the fly. <laughs> <laughs> but Oprah, you prank Oprah, you're, you're, the, you're the king of pranks for life. Mm, that's true. That's 150 percent true. Oh, well, thank you so much, King of Jokes, Eric Andre. It was a pleasure to thank have you today. Thank you. That was Eric Andre. The sixth season of The Eric Andre Show is out now. This episode of It's Been a Minute was produced by Barton Girdwood, Liam McBain. Our editor is Jessica Placzek. All right, that's all for this episode of It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Brittany Luce. Talk soon. Support for NPR and the following message come from Bombas. Bombas makes absurdly soft socks, underwear, and t-shirts. And for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash NPR and use code NPR. On this week's episode of Wild Card, comedian Bowen Yang says you don't have to feel bad for falling short on mindfulness. I get in my own way by, like, over-privileging the present so interesting because everyone wants to be in the present. I feel like being present is overrated. I'm Rachel Martin. Join us for NPR's Wild Card Podcast, the game where cards control the conversation. In any great story, there's a moment that sparks your curiosity. It tells you there is more to uncover. How, how did this happen? How did we get here? That's where Embedded comes in. We are NPR's home for documentary journalism, immersive and intimate stories. I was Stone Cold Speechless. Nothing will ever, 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 ever be the same here. Find Embedded wherever you get your podcasts.